0: So John-Mark, thank you so much for carving out space for this conversation. So we're trying to facilitate a number of discussions with friends that we track with and asking the same two questions. Number one, what do you discern the Spirit doing in this moment? We're kind of launching out from Matthew 16 where Jesus says, you can look at the stars and you can forecast the weather. Why can't you read the signs of the times? And we feel like it's part of our task as the followers of Jesus to discern what is the Spirit doing so we can jump on board. Second question will be, what are you personally learning in this moment of crisis? But we'll start with what, what, when you look at what's happening right now and you read culture, which you're so gifted at doing, but then also trying to discern what's the spirit doing? Yeah. H- how do you discern what the spirit's doing in this moment?
1: First off, uh, much love to all of you at KXC. Miss you guys. I'm long overdue for a visit to your city and your community. And uh, it looks like I will not be coming anytime soon. <laughs> You know, I mean, first off, I think three of the most important words right now in our vocabulary are, I don't know. And, you know, I think there's a call right now for humility. So I'm happy to give my best shot at an answer, but with a giant in bold disclaimer, I don't know. <laughs> um, but to the best of my ability to discern, I think there's a stripping down right now and a reseeding. So by way of a metaphor, um you know, I live uh, right off of downtown Portland. If you've ever been to downtown, to Portland, downtown, the densest part of the city abuts up against what's called Forest Park, which is the largest urban forest in the United States of America. So we, it's by the grace of God, have this dream set up where we live right on the edge of downtown and the back of our house is this 5,000 acre forest, no yard, just a little deck and then just environmentally protected land. So it's a massive gift. But actually, um, this is interesting. It's being destroyed by English ivy. Through globalism, 100 years ago, people brought English ivy over from your island and it's (laughs) destroying, it's a noxious weed that is destroying the forest. It covers the ground, it suffocates all native plant life, it diminishes animal life, and it starts climbing up the trees and it starts actually suffocating in the end, kills these giant, beautiful maple trees or Douglas firs when we got our little place, we have a, a small little kind of part of land that technically belongs to us. And so we de-ivied it last fall. And it was, you know, just brutal backbreaking work to just strip all this ivy out. And when it was done, it was hideous. All that was left was like roots and mud. And then you it exposed all of the like stuff that was hiding underneath the forest floor. So there was like garbage and beer bottles and there was like this horror movie stuffed animal that had decomposed. It was like right right out of a horror movie. It was like so I felt like I had to cast out the demons after I threw it in the garbage. It was so creepy, right? So just imagine years of rain and mud and, you know, worms. It was, and it just exposed all of that. We had to clean all the garbage and debris out. And then it just sat there and it was just ugly because it missed all the fall leaves. It was just mud. It got rained on. And then now what's happening in spring at the end of winter is there's this reseeding and all of a sudden all of these new indigenous plants and shrubs and trees, even these little maple trees that are like six inches tall that are just now hundreds of them starting to grow up. And there's this like new life that in spring is just starting to burst through. So, you know, I was watching that one day and I felt like the spirit was saying, this is a pruning, but it's more, it's actually a stripping away. Wow. And, um, and with that stripping away, new things will come in its place that weren't there before new life. So I think, you know, I don't know about you guys, but in our church, there's more dreaming right now, like literal dreaming and prophetic dreaming. And we've had in year's. There's all sorts of creativity. There's all sorts of work and initiative and flexibility. The world feels more mutable than it has in a long time. It feels like if you can transition your mindset from anxiety about the future to the possibility of the future, that opens yeah. up a wide kind of space in your heart to dream with the spirit. So I think there's a stripping away and it's brutal and it's hard and it exposes all of our ugly stuff. It exposes the debris in our heart. It exposes, you know. Exposes what psychologists would call our attachments, what Calvinists would call our idols, these things that are deep in us, that have taken root in us, that we think we need to be happy, but are actually holding us back from happiness in the kingdom of God. And it's a gracious invitation for for God to remove those out of our heart as they are exposed. And I think that as we come to the end of this winter, there is already a reseeding. that right now the Spirit is planting seeds, dreams, visions, and there's going to be a lot of change. I don't think, you know, I think a lot of people overblow. The world will never be the same. And I think that's melodramatic. I'm, I'm, I'm more on the conservative side. I think it, it will return to a semblance of normal. I think people will come back to church. I think it might just take a while, but I don't know. Again, I don't know. But I do think that we won't come back the same. I think there will be all sorts of change, new initiatives. I think people will be moving and starting new businesses and changing careers and changing living patterns and relationships. And churches will come back differently with different you know, operating structures and different architectures. And, and I think there's a beautiful like, new space in the church for reseeding. And then I think that same stripping is going on at some level. You know, in the world, as you know, our buddy Mark Sayers would say, I think God is humbling the West right now. All of our money and technology and science and medicine is powerless against a microbe. And the secular fear of death is higher than it's ever been right now. Because in the secular worldview, you know, there's no um, meaning or purpose to suffering. It's the only worldview of all the kind of six major worldviews that has no meaning for suffering. At best, suffering is an interruption to the kind of point of life, which is survive and kind of be happy in the secular Darwinian model. And so I think there's a real stripping away right now of what people have put their trust in and the trust structures of Western secular society. I don't know where that will lead, but I'm praying it will lead to a new humility, a new uh, cognizance of our mortality and a new opening to God and spiritual hunger
0: In terms of trying to sort of ready ourselves or be attentive to that work of the spirit, like things are being stripped back, but there's a receding. Like at one level, there's grieving, the loss that we're experiencing of what yeah, was known. Which is right you know. Fitting. Yeah, so there's a grieving, but there's also a dreaming. How do we do these things together?
1: I've been using um, Ronald Rollheiser's five-step paradigm from Eastertide, which is in his book, The Holy Longing. So he writes about the kind of five movements in the church calendar of Eastertide, of Good Friday, you know, where you get in touch with death and loss. Easter, you get in touch with resurrection, new life, hope. The 40 days after Easter, where the disciples had to kind of acclimate to a new dyna- relational dynamic with Jesus, where he was there, but not all the time. The Ascension, where Jesus actually left the disciples to go to heaven and bless them. And then Pentecost, the coming of the Spirit. And he takes that as kind of a five-stage emotional process for how to both kind of process your grief of what you've lost and dream for the future. And his five things are, name your deaths, claim your births, grieve what you have lost, and adjust to the new reality. Do not cling to the old. Let it ascend and give you its blessing. And accept the spirit of the life that you are in fact living. What I'm doing is I just like did a two page kind of big moleskin journal thing. And I just wrote out each one, name your debts. And I just wrote out about 12 things that I'm grieving the loss of right now from Sunday gatherings to my sabbatical to, you know, my 40th birthday party, like just all the stuff, major and minor, then claim your births. Like what, what's the spirit stirring? What are the new things? There's been incredible new things in my life and our church last month grieve what you have lost and adjust to the new reality. What do I need to grieve? How do I ride those emotions down? And what is the new reality that I just need to come to acceptance with? Do not cling to the old letter to send and give you its blessing. Like think about some of the things, not about how do I get back to them, but they're done. And how do I let them bless them and let go of them and then accept the spirit of the life that you are in fact living? Like, how do I just accept this and more than just make peace in it, but even take delight going forward you know
0: this is a unique opportunity where everyone's reimagining patterns for living like work life family life homeschooling for a lot of us like so many new dynamics and we're trying to reconfigure what an average day looks like just give us one or two little insights as to this opportunity that it presents for spiritual formation and apprenticeship to jesus
1: on one hand the go-to answer for that is like now is the time to really take Practices or spiritual disciplines seriously, and come up with a rule of life. And I could give my spiel on that, and I have. And you know, those of you that have been around KXC, you probably have heard me rant on that at some point. And I'm all for that. But actually, the main thing that I think a lot of us are learning right now, it's really the issue underneath so many of the other issues for all people, uh, regardless of personality or stage of life, and that's the issue of control. Especially if you grow up in the middle class which not all of us, but if we did, we're used to a sense of control over our life, our body. We're used to planning for our future. We're used to a sense of linear progress. And that control is not all bad, but it is very damaging to growth and faith, hope, and love. If you think about the three theological virtues, all three of them are incompatible with a control. And right now we're just painfully aware of the fact that we're not in control. Yeah. And I mean, planning, planning right now is an exercise in comedy. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just like, I, I don't know. And so I, I think the growth edge for me right now is holy uncertainty is what the mystics called it, Ooh. which is how do you live in that, you know, Exodus 16 manna kind of space of, you know, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, take no thought for tomorrow, sufficient for the day. James chapter four, don't make plans and the arrogance of there. you know, if the Lord wills, you know, all such seen is evil. That, that childlike, holy uncertainty of we don't know how long this will last. We don't know what the fallout will be. We don't know if this, what this will do to the church. We don't know what this will do for the culture, make it more secular, less secular. We just don't, more partisan, less partisan. We don't know. And just learning to release the illusion of control, not to hyper-spiritualize it, but to live on our manna, to just trust God for our daily bread, to make our plans and then set them down, have a cup of tea, chuckle and say, I don't know, but God is with me. He will bring good out of this. And I trust him that he is the good shepherd. And right now I have all that I need. Mm
0: -hmm. So that
1: for me, more than spiritual disciplines, more than rule of Mm -hmm. life, more than man exercise, I'm for all of that stuff. But man, the growth edge for me is how do we embrace holy uncertainty, in which case if we could let that in, we could come out of this, sure, with the rule of life and disciplines, 110%, but we could come out of this with a, with an incredible freedom and buoyancy and compassion and a new yeah. capacity for love and faith and hope.
0: Final question then. Like I feel like this is a moment, that image you had of stripping back and receding, I feel that personally, as well as a kind of church-wide organization thing, or even a cultural thing. Like, I'm being exposed. The very best and right. the worst of me are like are on display for my family to see, for others to see. 100%. I'm learning some major things about myself. Not a lot of it's pretty. What are you learning in this moment? Where are you finding God in this?
1: I'm learning to live in the moment. I'm learning to release the illusion of control, to chuckle when things don't go according to plan. And I'm learning just how attached, just how deep the attachments and the trust structure, as Robert Mulholland called them, go in my heart. How attached I am to our Sunday gatherings, how attached, oh. attached I am to our plans for the next couple of years at our church, how attached I am to me going on sabbatical and you know becoming more of a teaching pastor after that. How attached I am to some of our strategies and staffing plans for the next six months, and just like how deep all of that goes, yeah. and um, and just it's just that's what I'm learning is how to let go of those attachments because I can't hold on to them anyway right now. Yeah. And how do I cooperate with the spirit rather than fight back with the spirit?
0: That is beautiful, John Mark. You have been an unbelievable gift to KXCI. You continue to be. I just love, I love you God's guys doing so in your life. And what a gift you are. And we're praying for you in Portland. feel like, you know, the church that you lead, you know, is part of, we're part of a family in this together. So we're praying for you guys and can't wait to connect again at some point.